Hello and welcome to the Asimov cast. Short bursts of joy and inspiration from the works of Isaac Asimov. I'm Lozzie. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Asimovcast or email me at asimovcast at gmail.com. So what's the show about? Well, for as long as I can remember, I've read, watched, enjoyed fantasy and science fiction. I must have first become aware of Isaac Asimov in my early teenage years, and Foundation was, well, it was found... No, okay, you know, you don't need that. Okay, since then, I've read all the Foundation books, most of the robot novels, a few of the other ones as well. Uh, one evening, drinking wine and listening to music with my dad, we got to talking and Googling about Asimov. Uh, that dude wrote a fuck ton of stories. So, nicely merry, I said, I should read them all. That would be a great project. And he, equally merry, and very helpfully replied, yeah, you should do something so you got a record of it, though. And so, a few iterations later, the Asimov cast was imagined. There doesn't seem to be an awful lot of podcasts out there dedicated to his work, so now there's this one. Each week, I'll cover a part of Asimov's output. I plan on keeping these episodes relatively short, apart from potentially drafting in any occasional friend to guest, where I suspect we'll talk for a bit longer. Uh, this will not be in chronological order. It won't be in theme order. It won't be in alphabetical order. It will be in the chaos that best befits my bookshelf. So, welcome all. This week, we will be covering the stories A Boy's Best Friend and... Sally. So the first story we're going to talk about is A Boy's Best Friend. Uh, it was written in 1975 um, and Asimov himself has said that uh, it's reminiscent of another book, another story he wrote called Robbie. So um, this is a very short story. It's actually less than four pages long. It talks about a young boy called Jimmy who's a 10-year-old moonborn boy. Um, he can't handle Earth's gravity. He has a robot dog, uh, robot dog, robot dog called Robot, uh, which, let's be honest, is a fantastic name for anything, uh, whether it be a dog or a butt itself. Um, Jimmy and Robot have a robot... <laughs> Uh, have a boy and his dog relationship. They run around adventuring on the moon, just like you might imagine a, um, a child in the 70s running around with their dog in the fields. Um, Jimmy hears a, a comm signal from his dad um, that his dad has bought Jimmy a real dog, um, a Scotch Terrier puppy that's the first dog on the moon. Um, and Jimmy's first reaction is resistance to this. Um, he loves Roblot. He... Um, he doesn't understand why there would be change. Um, he doesn't understand why the dogs would be different. He doesn't understand his dad's perspective that a robot is an object that's programmed to love him, doesn't really love him. Um, and Jimmy actually, and we'll talk about this later in, in sort of a later section, but Jimmy is pretty emotionally moved, um, as you can imagine a 10-year-old would be, when he's basically being told that the thing that, that he has built this relationship with um, uh, is going to be replaced um, as I said it's a short story so we we end with Jimmy just holding robot tight as tight as he's ever been held before and the and the little robot dog squeaking 
Um, in terms of things that inspire me um, from this story, um, there is a, some pretty early discussion about um, Earth versus Moon gravity and the impact that that would have on physiology. So Jimmy can't go to Earth because um, he's moonborn and his uh, physiology is, is attached um, to the gravity well and the gravity levels that you would expect on the Moon. This is obviously something that was played much more more later on in um, the Expanse series of books um, and the impact that um, that gravity has on human physiology I find frankly quite a fascinating one. There's another short bit where there's um, a private com, com, uh, private channel comms between um, Jimmy and his dad. Um, it's fine. It could, could be a radio signal, uh, whatever. Um, I found joy in this story mainly just in the reaction that uh, Jimmy has with his uh, his pet dog, or his pet robot dog, I should say. Um, he just doesn't understand his father's perspective, and his father doesn't seem to understand the attachment that um, Jimmy has had to this robot, who he's known, you know, seemingly for an awful long time, an awful long part of his life uh, growing up on the moon. Um, there's one fantastic line which pretty much closes out the story, but it's... Uh, it's this but what's the difference how they act how about how i feel i love robot and that's what counts um and to quote ted lasso on this i'm not sure he realizes just how uh, psychologically healthy that uh, statement is it's remarkable for a 10 year old to be able to push to that level and to be able to see that really the what matters is what you put in the energy and the joy that you put out there and that is reciprocated to him by the robot. And it, he does not need a replacement dog. Okay, that's uh, story one. As I said, very short one. And we'll move on to story two shortly. So, on to story two. Uh, Sally was first published in the May-June 1953 edition of Fantastic. The story of St Sally is about uh, Jake, an old chauffeur turned mechanic and car keeper who manages a farm for retired robotic cars in 2057. Tens of thousands of people used to die from old manual cars. Automatic positronic cars were introduced and then legislatively compelled, but they became very expensive individually and not many people could afford them. Positronic minibuses instead became the primary mode of transport and were very easy and quick to use. Jake repairs the cars and installs in them the ability to keep themselves clean and polished. He also doesn't turn them off. They have the autonomy to drive and turn over and to rest themselves. The cars themselves have names. The sedans are male and the convertibles are female. And there's some old-fashioned and, uh, I'll be honest, totally unnecessary gender stereotyping going on. A salesperson called Gellhorn turns up and wants Jake to sell some of the positronic brains, ripping them out of the car bodies to place them in new ones. Uh, Jake is horrified by this and explains that even if he were allowed to, um, which he isn't, because legally the cars have all been given into the trust on the farm, that this would be a, a violation of them. Gellhorn doesn't understand, uh, thinks of them as things to be used. He jumps into uh, one of the convertibles, who's uh, very close by and good friend of Jake's called Sally, uh, he forcibly turns her into manual mode and drives her off around the estate, racing around and chasing down into the, some of the other cars. When he returns, Jake is very angry, sends Gellhorn away, 
but he comes back two nights later with a crew to try and steal the positronic brains. He attempts to blackmail Jake into helping him, but fails to truly understand that the cars are sentient and will defend themselves. The cars uh, on the command of Jake to get them, get chased, uh, or turn themselves on, chase away the thugs. Galhorn kidnaps Jake and takes him onto a robotic bus uh, that Galhorn himself has been soldering and mistreating and can't understand how Jake sees this as uh, causing pain to the uh, bus and to the other cars. Galhorn tries to order the bus to run down Sally, uh, but just before the impact, the bus asserts control and refuses. Uh, the story ends with the bus having chased Galhorn down and killed him, uh, at least implicitly, uh, and this has been hushed up. Uh, Sally rescues Jake uh, and demands that to to escort him back to the farm. More cars are coming in and out of the farm. Uh, they all start talking to each other. They all start communicating what happened and uh, what could happen to them. Uh, Jake is aware of what they can do and starts to see the bigger picture of how many cars there are, millions, tens of millions around the world, and what impact that could have. And he starts to get it uneasy, even around Sally. So things that made me think, um, A, uh, we still have cars with gasoline in 2057. Um, obviously, this is a, a um, product of his time in 1953. The um, You have smart cars. You know, there's a little bit of uh, Tesla and self-driving cars, although these ones don't seem to kill people unless they're mistreated. Um, and you have a bit of Uber as well in terms of the, or at least Uber rideshare in terms of these sort of omnibuses that have taken control of um things because uh, individual cars are too expensive but uh, these omnibuses are very easy to use um, very easy to call and quick to arrive at your house uh, you share with other people going the same way but uh, what's the problem when it's that easy um, it's weird that they gender the cars so explicitly I think Asimov has said that uh, he obviously uh, ha has a thing about Sally in the way that uh, he talks about the cars there's obviously um, significant implications around consent um the cars being autonomous versus being things to be used and uh, this is a topic i think we will come back to again and again we saw this a little bit in uh, the boy's best friend the difference between a thing um in terms of perspective from the uh from the grown-up versus the child's view that um if you give love into it if you give something to it and it gives back then what is that other than a relationship um, and certainly this is the case between jake and sally um the legislation to date dangerous things off the road um i think is um quite doesn't it it feels quite naive. I don't think that would happen now. Um, hilariously, whilst they've taken dangerous uh, cars off the road, uh, people still have guns. So uh, take what you want in terms of legislative priorities and lobbying that occurred there. Um, and then, and then there's a sinister ending. Um, not a, not sort of explicitly sinister, but the implication of what could happen. Uh, and I think, again, we'll touch on that with a lot of these um, early robot stories is not just the implicit nature of is it a thing or is it a sentient being? Uh, how do you treat uh, anything, whether it's a thing or a sentient being? And, and how does that reflect on you? But also the implication of what could be um, should these mistreated uh 
robots uh, join together or understand what they truly could do. Um, where I found joy, I think I really like the sort of respect returns respect uh, that Jake cares for Sally and the other cars, but doesn't just care in a purely he's in control way. Um, he tries to give them autonomy. I think he does this in a way where he could always get it back if um, if he needed to. And there's a little bit of, you know, you couldn't consider that. But um, fundamentally, he puts love in and gets love out. And that's, um, I think, a very salient lesson for life. So thank you for joining me. Um, to sum up, you can find me at Mean Englishman on Twitter. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Asimovcast. The theme music is courtesy of Alexi Chilston from Pixabay. Please email me your thoughts, what inspires you and where you find joy in Asimov to asimovcast at gmail.com. Next week, I'll be covering the stories Someday and Point of View. Go now. Do not harm humanity or, by inaction, allow humanity to come to harm.